Welcome fellow entrepreneurs to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we talk about Amazon Wholesale and how you can use it to build an e-commerce empire, a side hustle, or anything in between. And now, your host, Todd Welch. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 20 of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. And today, my guest, Frank Soma, is fantastic. He is a sales leader and an author of the book, B2B is really P2P. I've read through this book. It is a fantastic book. I've learned a lot from it. And we're gonna dive into building rapport with brands and distributors, how to get that communication, that conversation going so that you can build enough rapport and relationship with the brand or with your salesperson at a distributor and be able to open those accounts, negotiate discounts and things like that. This is one of the most important things when it comes to selling on Amazon and it's one of the areas that people have the most difficulty. So I'm really happy that Frank decided to come on the show and you're gonna be really happy to stick around and listen to this because you're gonna learn a lot. I learned a lot from his book and I've already started putting a lot of what he talks about into play. In the interview here, you'll hear that come about several times of things that I learned about in his book and have already put into practice and have had them be successful for me. In fact, one of them I even opened up and got an exclusive agreement with a brand. So this is going to be a really good episode if you struggle at all with talking on the phone, opening those accounts, and you're just not sure what to say or where to go. There's a lot of gold nuggets in this episode. So stick around and stay tuned for that. If you want the show notes or anything we talk about, head on over to entrepreneuradventure.com forward slash 20. And I'll also have a link for you to purchase his book over on Amazon as well, because you're definitely gonna wanna pick it up. You're gonna wanna listen to and read about anything to do with sales. Pick up every book that has to do with sales that you can possibly read and learn from it and start putting it into practice. That's the only way that you're gonna get better at this kind of stuff. And of course, listening to this podcast is gonna get you started as well so you can start diving deeper. And please share this episode with anyone who you think can get good knowledge out of this anyone who it'll help it'll help us grow the show and keep expanding the people that we can talk to on the show as well and helping you out there build your amazon wholesale business and before we dive into it i just wanted to read a quick five-star review over on itunes from tiffany eat sleep amazon it says Excellent podcast, top-notch knowledge. Todd is one of the rare ones who makes selling wholesale on Amazon more easily understandable, even to those just getting started. He gives great content and knowledge, no fluff. Can't wait to see this podcast grow. So Tiffany, I really appreciate that five-star review. If you haven't left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening, please do that, it would really be appreciated. If you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, like and subscribe as well. Anything to help grow the show will help me help you even more and I really appreciate it. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with Frank Soma. 
Today, I am here with Frank Soma, and he has been a sales leader for over 35 years. So he's owned businesses doing sales. He's ran sales teams and a lot more than, than that. So he's got a lot of sales experience, and he's also now a keynote speaker speaking on this topic of sales and is also an author of the book B2B is really P2P, so business to business is really person to person. I've read through the book. I really like it and highly recommend it. It's a great book. And it goes into what we all struggle with, right? The biggest problem that all of us have, and that is sales and selling online. So Frank, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about mm -hmm. your background? Well, sure, Todd, thanks so much. I, I hope I bring some value to your, uh, to your listeners. So, uh, you know, I've been in sales and sales leadership, as you said, for all of my life. And what I added to that, the supplement to it is I'm a graduate of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, the Neuro Linguistic Programming Institute of New York. Neuro Linguistic Programming is the communication science. This is the science that vaulted Tony Robbins to the top of the motivational speaking heap, right? Yeah. So Tony's an NLP guy. And, um, and it's a wonderful way to understand and break down a lot of what we human beings do innately NLP exposes and allows you to look for those things. So basically what NLP does, it kind of shortcuts you to rapport. And when you're in rapport with folks is, you know, is a great place to be because once you're in rapport, people like you, they trust you. And as we've all heard a million times, people do business with people they like and people they trust. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that NLP sounds really awesome. It's actually mm -hmm. something that I'd like to learn a lot more about. And I, I think I may have read about it in your book. Do you talk about that in your book? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And after that, I also looked at Tony Robbins and seen that he does the same thing. Cause I think you might've mentioned that in here mm -hmm. as well. So it's, it's really interesting stuff and building rapport is something I've talked about in the past and something that e-commerce sellers and especially Amazon sellers have the hardest time with because it's, a lot of people don't have experience with that or they're just afraid of sales in general and selling themselves. Do you find that a lot with most people? I do. I do. And what I feel with the book, and a lot of the reviews said this, that it's, um, it's for everyone. You know, I know we're talking to people that are selling, and, but it's really we're all selling. So, you know, I went to the took my dog to the vet and on the counter in the vet's office, there's a jar with a damaged heart in it. And, uh, and the vet's assistant is saying, Hey, you know, are you giving your dog heartworm medication every month? Well, no, I'm not. Well, look at this, you know, and maybe you should, she's selling me on the idea that I'd be better off buying whatever it is, $1,500 worth of medication, you know, to give my dog on a monthly basis. When, when you're, if you have children at home and they're in school and you want to get them to read this book or that book, or you're a teacher and you want to convince your students, or you're a business leader and you have employees and you want to convince them to do something your way, or you want to convince them to do something differently, or you want to help them to be their better selves, all of that is about selling, convincing, selling. You know, it, to me, it's the, same, it's the same word. And there are uh, lots of ways that we can do that better than uh, then we're doing it today if, if we don't have the focus on it and we haven't studied it. 
So what do you recommend, you know, aside from reading your book, I definitely recommend people read your book to start learning about sales and get lots of books, you know, not only yours, mm -hmm. but there's lots of other great sales books out there. After they read through your book, what are some things that people can start doing in the real world to learn or use the stuff in the real world to get a better grasp on it? Well, I mean, the number one thing that I teach in the book, almost every part of the book revolves around listening to some degree or another. And I hope that doesn't sound too boring to people that are listening to us now, but it really is the key. And you're listening for things. So there are different styles of communication I teach in the book. Now, many of us have seen like um, you have somebody that tells you a story. So Todd and I are here on this podcast. And when I go downstairs and I talk to my wife about the podcast, I could deliver my message of what happened in a, in, in a couple of different ways. So if I am what I call a view from the air, meaning I give information in large chunks and my wife, for example, is a view from the ground, meaning she gives information in small pieces. So what happens when these two communication styles collide? I come downstairs. How was the podcast? It was great. I met Todd. We talked for a couple of minutes about Amazon and the website and the difficulties therein. And, uh, and we did the podcast. I hope I gave value. He really liked the book. And basically, that, that kind of tells the story, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. but, but if the situation were reversed... Um, she would say, you know, I talked to Todd a little while ago. He had invited me to come on the podcast. I went and, and learned more about what he does to see if I could really bring some value to the listeners. And then today I went to the Zoom link. You know, he did it in mountain time and I'm on East Coast time. So I was like uncertain. Would it be 3.30 my time or was it 2.30? I had to look up mountain time versus this time. But anyway, we got on and it was great. He's in a stand-up desk, which was very cool. You know, I've been wanting to get one of those and I just haven't gotten around to it. So I'm sitting and I think the energy level is better when you stand. So anyway, we started to, right? You get, you see the difference here? I won't go on and on. Yeah. Yep. Now, so what happens and what, I, what I'm explaining to the folks listening is you listen for styles and you understand your style. So if you're a person who gives big pieces of information and the person you're speaking to receives in small bits, what happens? They don't, they're not getting your message. They're saying, you obviously don't care enough about me to tell me the entire story. You're blowing me off. So instead of getting your message, they're getting insulted. If you recognize that that person receives information in smaller bits, couldn't you color your commentary a little bit, throw in a couple of tidbits of info? And wouldn't that then make them feel better? And most importantly, wouldn't that facilitate the communication? And wouldn't you get your point across? So when you're dealing with different wholesalers, distributors, clients, whatever it is, it's super important to understand their style. And there are many others I go into in the book, but this is one that's a glaring one we can all understand. Understand their style because, you know, let's see if it's the other way around. How many of you have had someone tell you information in such great detail that you're rolling your eyes in the middle of it and you're saying, you know, come on, land this plane already. What are you, what's going on here? Get to the point. Yeah. And, but, you know, even when you're not saying that, it's coming across in your body language. And, you know, our, our lizard brains, our caveman brains are seeing all of these nonverbal cues that are saying, I'm bored with you. I don't, I'm not interested in what you're saying. There are people that, you know, you can talk to if you're a, a person who has a view from the ground and you'll see their lips moving. 
they're so anxious to respond. They just want you to be done. So understanding these two styles and then adjusting. So if you're a person who has a view from the ground, couldn't you edit yourself a little bit to make it a bit better for the listener? Sure you could if you recognize that they get information in big chunks. So it's about recognizing other styles and then considering them in your delivery and in your listening style so that you get the most out of the communication and you're not being unwittingly insulting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and listening is definitely the key there in knowing where they're coming from. Because if you're just thinking about, oh, what am I going to say next? Uh, they don't want any more Amazon sellers. What should I say next? And you're not listening to what they're actually saying to you. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to miss really important details uh, and where you can go with the conversation. Like one conversation I had recently was with a lady, her business is in Florida and I started talking to her and she, I could tell she was very upset and because the government there had just come and the police came and made her close her business and go home even though she was the only person there. So I met her on that level and we had a pretty deep conversation about you know, yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. They don't have the right to do that and things like that. And by listening and understanding, by the end of that conversation, I actually got an exclusive agreement from her to sell her products. So listening can be a, a big deal in terms of uh, how you're going to reply. Mm -hmm. You know, Todd, that's a fantastic story. And what, what you did is spoken about in the book. So yes, yes, you listened, but it's greater than that because listening is, is this uh, big umbrella and the, there's a hundred different spokes underneath that umbrella of the kind of listening. So what you did is you met her where she is. And I talk about this in the book. I, my, I have an older brother who's a quadriplegic and he had, it was a tragic accident that happened to him when he was uh, almost 50 years old. And, you know, he and I, I'm, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm an up guy, you know, and I would go there and I would meet with him. I would see him when, after he got hurt, he was in the nursing home and I would see him, you know, every, every day or two. And he was doing his best to, you know, keep a stiff upper lip, as they say, and present a good face. And I was doing my best to motivate him. And meanwhile, we were leaving our encounters just exhausted and unfulfilled because, it was, it was inauthentic. And I could not motivate him to feel better until I meet him where he is. So I, I called a friend of mine who's a bereavement psychologist and I asked him, you know, this is what's going on with my brother and me, what do you suggest? And he said exactly what you did innately. Good for you, Todd. He said, you cannot help him to feel better. You cannot motivate him. You cannot help him to see the upside of anything until you meet him where he is. So when I went back, the next time I looked at him and instead of saying, Hey man, how you doing? Whatever. And being upbeat. I looked at him and after a second or two, I said, wow, this must really suck for you. I can't even imagine how painful it is for you every day. And he just looked at me with a different face and we literally cried in each other's arms. And then from there we could build it back up, you know, and try to find a place to feel good. But unless and until you meet someone where they are, you'll never be able to take them to where you want to go. Yep. Yeah, meet them on their level. And mm -hmm. I probably got that from your book, 
I'm sure, in <laughs> doing that. And, and other things that I've picked up, you know, by reading sales books, like meeting them on their level, but also instead of, you know, asking a question directly, asking, do you mind if I ask you mm-hmm. why you're not allowing any more Amazon sellers? Uh, because then you're not like attacking or it doesn't, might, won't come off as attacking and they're more likely to answer the question. Is that something that you've seen as well? Oh yeah, that's very true. I talk about um, that a little bit when it comes to referrals. Like I'll have referral script that says, so Todd, you've been an Amazon reseller for quite some time, haven't you? I, I'm watching your head go up and down. Well, of course you have. I know that. I'm not, it, this is a leading question. Mm-hmm. So if I asked you to, Todd, you could probably tell me the names of a couple of other resellers like yourself, couldn't you? Absolutely. Right. So my language there was, so if I asked you, it's not, I'm asking, hey, Todd, can you give me the name of some of that? No, that's an affrontery. No. So what you're saying is, it, yeah, it's, it's ways to soften up what you're asking anyway. And, and and then asking those questions and listening really well and using that information to come back around and continue the conversation. Yep, for sure. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've picked up and I'm, you know, I'm intro 101 on sales pretty much, but maybe, maybe 201 by now, but, mm-hmm. you know, still learning a lot of different things. So uh, how would you work that conversation? Say, I'm calling a brand that I want to sell their products and they, one of the initial things they almost always ask is, do you sell on Amazon? And if you say yes, then a lot of times it's, well, we, we don't really want any more Amazon sellers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, that's a, having not been in that situation myself, I can only role play it or imagine it. And for me, it might, it might be that I want to avoid that or I want to um, avoid getting shut down quickly. So maybe I'm asking that question from the get go. You know, when I'm approaching that brand, maybe my question immediately jumps into, Hey, uh, you know, Todd, I'm reaching out. I know you don't want any more Amazon resellers. Is that right? Yeah. Or it's likely that you don't want any more Amazon resellers. Is that right? Mm hmm. And if they say yes, I'd say, you know, I can completely understand that. It's kind of the Pareto rule, right? You've got that 80, 20, 20% of your people are performing and the other um, 80% that you have are not. So how are you managing through that? And I might start just asking some questions about how are you managing through that? How do you cull that when the time comes? You know, what are you looking for in those people and are your highest achievers? What kinds of things are they doing to move more product for you? What are you seeing amongst the top, the cream of the crop for you? And then I would try to become that picture once they give me that ammunition. Well, they say, well, they do this and they do that and they do this. Well, it's interesting because in another brand like yours, I'm in the top 20% because I do this and this and this similarly. Now, I know you don't want any more Amazon resellers, and I understand that you wouldn't want another one of those 80%, but certainly you'd want to squeeze another one into your top 20%. Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the way I'd go at it. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense because if they've already got, say, 10 sellers on their Amazon listing, then yeah, they probably adding another one isn't going to necessarily get you more sales unless they're giving something higher and above that. So yeah, that's a perfect way to come at it with 
what are your best people doing and how can we be better mm -hmm. than some of the worst sellers that you have perhaps? Sure. Yeah. And, and what would you look for and what would you advise? And then I think also sometimes the brand comparison, if you've got some other similar brands, maybe in a different product line, but somebody who's in the same uh, category in terms of size or notoriety that you can cite examples of what you've done well. You know that you know the old um, sales expression "feel felt found." No, I don't know if I've heard that one. So it's a it's a, it's an old formula, but in if you adapt it, it kind of works. So, you know, Todd, I understand how you feel. Some of my other customers uh, have also felt that way, but what they found is that when they deal with me, so it's kind of this um, schematic for how to approach somebody that's objecting to you. I understand how you feel. See, I feel like with objections. I, my strategy has always been to agree with them. And people think I'm crazy when I teach that. Like when somebody says, I don't want any Amazon, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want any more either if I were you. Mm -hmm. Like I never disagree with an objection, almost never. Because I feel like this is how an argument starts. If you make a point and I disagree with that point, are you compelled to defend that point? Yeah. Right? You made a point. I disagreed. You have to tell me why you're right. But if I don't disagree with you, you kind of lose the fuel. There's no reason for you to tell me anymore. I'll circle back to it later. But if you say, you know, I, hey, listen, I don't want any more Amazon resales. I completely understand that, Todd. You know, if you're, if you're stocked up with a bunch of resales, I get it. I wouldn't want to dilute that team either if I were you. Now, yeah. what are you going to say to me? Well, I really don't want any. No. <laughs> so then I could go into my, now that I've kind of been a little bit more disarming, then I can maybe open up the conversation and ask, well, how many do you have? Well, how are they performing? Well, what are your best, you know, things we just talked about. But it'll allow me room to do that. You know what I mean? Yep. I agree 100%. That's, that's how some of my best calls have gone, either intentionally or unintentionally. More mm -hmm. intentionally now as I learn more about sales. Mm -hmm. um, so let's, let's kind of rewind the call a little bit. So mm -hmm. obviously every type of sales environment can be a little bit different, but let's say you're a salesperson who's going to be calling brands that we want to buy their products, um, knowing that a lot of times it's, we don't want any more sellers. How do you open that call? So you're calling, it's ringing, and the other person answers, hello, XYZ products. How do you start your conversations? Wow. That's a, you know, there's so many different ways that you can script yourself. I mean, one of the first things, um, it depends on what level you're at, right? So if, if you're getting the receptionist, there's one strategy to get past that. Um, and if you're if you're phoning and you're getting right to a C-level person, then it's a different conversation. So, you know, if it's somebody that's in my way um, or it's a, a voicemail, for example, do you guys run into a lot of you calling and you wind up and relegated to voicemail? Uh, it depends when you're calling. So some people who are maybe just trying to get going with this and are calling after a job, then they might get more voicemails uh, than mm -hmm calling during the day, obviously. So when I call, usually I'm getting a hold of someone, um, you know, nine times out of 10 or more, but you could definitely get a voicemail from time to time. Okay. And it's so probably you, about you, split in terms of getting direct to the person that you'd want to talk about it or getting some kind of middle person like a secretary. Yeah. So yeah, with the, with 
the middle people, I want to give as little information as possible and sound very official. And the way that I, that I normally do that with a middle person is I would say, um, okay, Todd, thank you so much. Um, my director had asked that I reach out to Jim and I know that I'm going to be popping in and out of meetings all week. So I'll, I'm happy to leave a message with you, but I'm going to calendar it to give him a call back on Friday in case he misses me. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And I'm gone. So now I've not only told her that my director asked me to reach out, so it sounds like this higher calling, but what I'm also saying to her is I'm, I'm letting her know that I expect to call back by Friday, and if not, I'm going to call you back. And I'm also letting her know tacitly that I'm kind of, you know, super important and in and out of a bunch of meetings, so I may not be available for Jim when he calls me. Mm-hmm. And it's a, there's just a bunch of, like, embedded commands and, kind of uh, embedded information when you do something like that. And then if I'm getting the actual person on the phone, I'm not really sure what the best way to be approach if you're feeling that almost each time if you say, I'm interested in repping your product, they say we have too many, then I wouldn't, I would never open with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would find something t- topical, um, whether I go on that person's LinkedIn page or whether I go to Google and I hit the news tab and I would, I would find something topical to talk about first. Hey, Todd, I see that this piece of news just came out about your company. You know, that really intrigued me um, you know, because I'm in a similar business. Yeah. Oh, really? What's that? So, yeah, I rep for Bristol Myers and, you know, you guys are this and whatever it is. But I, would, I think I'd, I'd want to come on an oblique angle and, I, and it would take a bit of research ahead of time. And in today's environment, whether it's, um, Google or, or LinkedIn, there are ways to find out things that can help you start a conversation differently. And if you do, do any of your folks make like, is it dialing for dollars kind of thing? Are they making 30 or 40 calls in a row or is it typically? Um, um, so a lot of times with the people that I work with, it's, it's the actual owner of the business who's making the phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a virtual assistant who, uh, I work with remotely who does make some calls for me. Um, mm-hmm. so in that case, yeah, they're making call after call. And then I myself am making phone calls and stuff like that. Usually I'm making, um, like follow-up phone calls where I need to build the relationship and then sure. they're making like the introductory phone calls. So that's kind of how it's going. But a lot of people who are probably watching this, they are, it's just going to be them. Mm-hmm. They're the owner, they're the director, the CEO, the salesperson, and the secretary. So, Okay. Yeah. So if you're, because if you're making a bunch of calls, you're going to want to make pattern interrupts and you're going to want to say things that take people off their game. So if the person answering the phone is so used to a solicitation call, you might want to say something just completely crazy. So I've, I've called people and they've answered the phone and say, hi, you know, it's uh, McSweeney Todd and Fellini. And I say, wow, you have to say that every time. And it's a pattern interrupt. It's not what they expected. Or I'll, if I get a guy who answers the phone, I'll say no tie today. I'd be like, what? You're not wearing a tie today. Like, what are you talking about, man? This is a phone call. Um, yeah. You know, just having a little fun with you or whatever. But the most important thing is to work within your own personality as you do these things. Um, it's important that, uh, I don't try to be Todd and Todd doesn't try to be me. So you can take these techniques and let them work within what works for you. And at the end of the day, the good news is for everybody that listens to your podcast is that, you know, um, as you're learning, 
Hard work beats talent all the time. It's really about the work. The person who makes 100 connections will always do better than the person who reaches out 10 times. It just is. If you're the worst there ever was at making phone calls and you're just learning as you go, if you just put in 10 times the effort of, of someone who is supposedly more skilled, you'll beat them. This is tortoise and the hare stuff. It's, uh, and it works. The answer is always to keep upping your skill level, reading what you can, learning what you can, uh, getting mentors and coaches. I can't say enough about coaches. Um, you know, I rely on mine tremendously and I'm in a mastermind group with my, you know, some of my coaches clients that we meet six of us every two weeks. And then I meet with her one-on-one -on -one. and it just, it's, it's such a huge improvement. You get so many great ideas. So I can't talk enough about getting coaching, reading enough books and up on your skill level, but never use that as an excuse. Well, I'm going to get started as soon as I learn more. It's really important. Just throw yourself at it. As long as, you know, your back end is prepared, you're not presenting yourself badly. Like when you reach out to a client and they go to your website and it doesn't exist, that's, you know, we don't want that. So you've got to be ready, but don't be afraid if you don't think that your skill set is up to snuff. The best way to learn how to relate to people, how to communicate with people, read as much as you can, but practice. And, and, and the number one thing that I can offer, I mean, the most important part of all this is sincerity. You've got to really care about the person you're speaking with. You've got to really imagine what they're going through. You've got to kind of picture them. Sometimes when I'm on the phone with somebody, I'll close my eyes because I feel like I can see what they're doing better um, when it's a phone call. But it's, it's about sincerely trying to help. If you, you, know, you have to believe that you are an improvement for them. And, and that sincerity will come through as you speak. Yeah, I agree 100% and, and understand that you're going to screw up especially oh, God, in yeah. the beginning as you're learning. You're going to bumble and fumble and say something that maybe that doesn't make any sense. And that's just all part of learning. You just got to keep moving forward. Yeah, for real. I mean, you know, one of the best, to me, one of the best books of all time is also one of the best-selling books of all time. And, uh, and it's ancient. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Great book. Yep. And, you know, the book was written in 1930s. And one of the things that he says in that book that I absolutely love, he said, remember that the person that you're speaking to cares more about his own toothache than he does about a famine that kills 10,000 people in China. And it's, it's what we have to watch, right? So when you're on the phone with somebody, imagine for a moment, all y'all who are out there making these phone calls, that you're going to be on the phone with someone for 10 minutes. If you had a stopwatch in front of you that you clicked on and off every time you spoke, at the end of a 10-minute call with a potential client, it should be nine minutes them and 60 seconds you. I would agree. People like to talk, and if you can listen, that just puts you a step ahead. Absolutely. Ask questions and listen. One of the cool techniques, Todd, that I can give you, because sometimes you call people, and, and I want to help your guys out that are making calls. Sometimes you call people in they give you one word answers or the conversation doesn't have you had this where you call some up and they're answering your question, but it's just not going anywhere. Yep. Yeah. That can be frustrating. So a, a neat little technique to use sometimes is called backtracking and backtracking is just repeating the last one or two words of someone's sentence with a question inflection. So if you said to me, I went for a run this morning, I could say to you, Oh, good. 
and the conversation might die there. But if I wanted to get you talking, you say, I went for a run this morning, I'd say, went for a run? And you say, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to run, so I go a couple of days a week. A couple of days. Well, yeah, not every week. You know, I do the best I can. You know, like if it's raining or whatever, I, maybe I don't go. And, but most days I go and I get a good run in the park. Ah, the park. Well, yeah, I don't like to run on the streets. You know, in the park, I got something. You follow what I'm doing? Like, if you yeah. just repeat those last one or two words with a, with a question inflection, often it prompts the speaker to elaborate on the sentence that they gave you. Yeah, and it's, it's so simple, but you don't think about it. But when you, when you say that, it, I'm smiling because it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I can think of times that people have done that to me. And you're, you just you don't want to leave the other person hanging. So you just keep adding mm -hmm. more information. So yeah, it definitely would be helpful. And I think one other thing that's super important when you're communicating with people, not face to face, if you're on the telephone and whether you have an incoming call or whatever is make sure that you don't have any distractions. It's, I, I you know, there have been so many times in my, when I was um, running businesses, et cetera, that I'd have somebody call me and I'd be, or somebody come into my office or whatever, but I'm on the laptop and it becomes obvious. Like people that really know you, they're like, what? Hey, Todd, I lost you there. What's going on? Oh, sorry. I was just looking at an email. Or you, you've got to make sure that's not happening. Focus on that phone call. Close your eyes. Picture the person on the other end. Stand while you're speaking. Consciously smile while you're speaking. Well, because you've got to do, you know, there was a great st uh, study by a guy named Harabin uh, at UCLA, and he said that 68% of our communication is body language. 30 so I don't, you know, my math is great here. 30-something percent is the, uh, my vocal tone, and only 7% is the actual words you use. So now when you get on the phone with somebody, the 60-something percent is replaced by the next biggest thing, which is your tone and how you say things. So it's incredibly important to not have any distractions because it, you, your vocal intonation gets lost when you have distractions. And to listen for their style like we talked about before, whether they're giving lots of information or bits of information and try to match it. And matching their tone and their pace. You know, if I'm speaking to someone, Todd, or you're speaking to someone and they're giving me answers and they're saying, well, yeah, you know, on Thursday I like to go check on my distribution list and then I go here and then I do this and then I do I can't respond to them like and say, well, sometimes on Tuesdays, I also check. It's just a bad mismatch. So if you're a person who is deliberate in your speech and a slower pace and someone else you're speaking to is a different pace, you've got to match them. You can often lead them to your pace, but first thing is to match. Match their vocal intonation. Match their pace. There's more intricate stuff with listening for the kinds of words they use, which is, I think, too much for what we're doing today. But at least that, at least listen for their tone and their pace. Match those things to begin with. And then you can lead to a more comfortable pace for yourself if you want to. Yeah, definitely. I think that's also called like mirroring, you know, mirroring the other person. Sure. Um, if you're, if you were face to face, you could mirror them and you talk about this in the book uh, about, you know, mirroring their posture and mm -hmm. leaning forward, leaning back and things like that. And that's the same kind of thing. If you're just talking on the phone, then you're mirroring or matching their, their vocal right. across. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now 
you talk about a lot about like building rapport with people and stuff like that. Any, any additional tips with that when you're talking with someone over the phone? I can say that it's about getting off subject. So for example, um, there's a statistic that says that most sales are made on the 12th attempt and most, uh, wait, let me get this right. 80% of sales are made on the 12th attempt and only, and, and, uh, 90% of salespeople stop after three attempts. So bringing that back around to what you were saying about building rapport, it's, you're going to call people multiple times sometimes before you gain agreement with becoming um, a reseller for them yep. and carrying their product. So what happens during those calls? You've got to listen for things that are not part of the business. I have something that I call uh, Frankie's Fabulous 14. It's the 14 things that I want to know about my clients. So when I call my client Bob and I know that Bob has a, a dog that he's training and his vision for himself is to work in his home office with his dog at his feet. And I know the dog's name is Dakota. When I call Bob, I'm not going to say, hey, Bob, how are we doing? You know, do we have any orders or can I pick up uh, uh, some more products with you or whatever? I'm going to say, hey, Bob, tell me, I, you know, we're not face to face. We're on the phone. Is Dakota at your feet? He's going to be like, what? You know, why did I remember that? Well, he mentioned it. I wrote it down. And in my CRM, I have a place for pets, married or single, wife's name, kids, how many, approximate ages, where did he go to school, what kind of car did he drive, what's his favorite charity, um, if I know where he went on vacation last year. So I can call up and say, hey, Bob, how's it going? How's the middle son down in Florida? You hmm. know, and, and it's not contrived. I'm, I'm really interested in that kid. I want to know how he's doing. He's got a son who's a boat captain. You know, I'm really interested in that. How's he making a living? Did he get his own boat yet? I know that's his dream. Now, Bob's been trying to support him. So all of these kinds of things that you know that have nothing to do with the business that are, if you're sincerely interested, again, I'll go back to sincerity. If you're sincerely interested, are wonderful ways to gain rapport because now you're not just some other person that's calling and moving product. You know, you become a friend of sorts, a business associate friend when you know things about people and it, and it, and it separates your conversation from the other guy that's calling. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent like that. I call that I mentioned earlier about the lady who had her business shut down in Florida. That call was about 40 minutes in total length and maybe five minutes of it had anything to do with what I was trying to sell basically. So Unbelievable. it was basically mm -hmm. just building rapport and, you know, understanding what she was going through. And you really gave a darn about what she was going through. That's, that's the key. You see, you can only get away with that a little bit. If you're, you know, when, when we're selling and we're convincing and we're gaining rapport with people, it's so important to remember that people have their guard up for this. The media has told everyone to beware. There are tricksters out there that are trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. And people have their guard up. And, you know, these movies that come out that depict salespeople with, with this degree of sliminess and insincerity and they're out for their own gain and somebody else at somebody else's expense. That's just crime. That's not sales. That's crime. It's wrong. It's immoral. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is to lead with sincerity, be genuinely interested in that other person as you were with this woman in Florida. What a horrible thing. She's the only person that closed the business. She must've felt devastated and it was, must've been wonderful for her to have a soft ear. 
Yep. Now, you'll do business down the road, maybe, maybe not. But even if you didn't, aren't you a, a wonderful citizen of the world? And didn't you do the right thing by giving that person a soft ear who was in a time of peril? That's yeah. what we're supposed to do as people. You know, this is who we're supposed to be. Be a good person. Serve the other person. Listen well. Be genuinely interested in them. And the more of that you do, the more good things will come out for you. The universe is circular. The more good you put in, it comes back to you. It can't be avoided. Not yeah. to get all woo-woo on you, Todd, you know, like, <laughs> but, but I really believe that with all my heart and soul. I've, I, you know, I had a business. I was a partner in a, in a business that sold and serviced copying machines. And um, through a charity organization that I gave my time to, I wound up doing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business from people I met through the charity. I didn't go into the charity to meet the people to do copier leases. I went into the charity because I was drawn to the kids in that charity. Yeah. And what came out of it is people met me at a different level and then, hey, by the way, what do you do? Oh, why don't you come to my office and here we go. So you really, you know, sincerely being interested in other people and other things only serves you in the long run. Yeah, and, and, and you can a lot of times pick out sincerity or people not being sincere I, I you know we've all had that salesperson who calls you and, and asks you questions and halfway through your answer or before you even answer they just move on to the next thing or whatever you could tell they're not listening at all so you, sincerity can come across pretty easily even over the phone to, to determine if someone is really means what they're saying yeah, yeah, or if it's a gratuitous ask just to get it out of the way and, and, and soften you up. And that's, you know, one of the exercises I do in my sales seminars is I sit two people down and I have one person is going to tell something personal, you know, something about themselves, and the other person is going to look them in the eye and listen, but they're not allowed to respond or lose eye contact for 10 seconds. So one person says a statement about themselves, the other person is just looking them in the eye for 10 seconds. It's the most uncomfortable, awful, I feel badly even making people go through it, but it just illustrates, it's only 10 seconds. Yep. It illustrates how quickly we jump on the end of somebody else's sentence to give our input. And that's why people don't feel listened to. You've got to pause, not 10 seconds, you know, but you've got to pause that beat. Like you were saying, the, the person who calls you up and does this gratuitous ask and then jumps on in the middle of your statement, they've got to pause, you know, as, a, as an interested listener, you pause a beat when someone says something, you take it in for a moment, and then you respond. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It makes, you know, I've seen studies that, prove or show that people when they're talking with someone if the other person is pausing in between things that they're saying or their reply that they appear more intelligent number one um, but you know then also yeah it shows that you're actually listening and I just read recently too that we give ourselves or we give other people 30% more leeway in how quickly they respond to us than what we give ourselves. Because that awkward pause, when it's our turn to talk, we feel like it's awkward. But when someone else is pausing and we're waiting for them to respond, it doesn't feel awkward because we know someone else isn't waiting on us. So that's a we got to consciously think about that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's with all of these things that we're talking about and the various techniques that you have that, you know, when you just said conscious, it kind of kick this off in my head that you, you've got to practice this stuff because the, you know, the idea is to become 
that it becomes innate. So it's, you know, which is difficult if you're focused on trying to use a technique like backtracking or, or something like that. Um, you know, it becomes hard because you're focused on the technique and not on what the person's saying. So it's important to practice those things. And you know, the levels of learning, right? You're consciously incompetent and then you're, you're consciously competent. Is that right? You're right. You're consciously incompetent. And then, so you don't know what you don't know. And then you become consciously competent. Now you know that you don't know it. And then you become you know, consciously incompetent. And then you become consciously competent. Now you know what you know, and then you become unconsciously competent, which is mastery, where you're doing it seamlessly. Yeah. So I think a lot of these techniques, it's really important to be careful, practice a lot, and, and make it, you know, just who you are. You've got to become that listener. Practice it at home in the dinner conversation, you know? Yeah, and you can definitely do it. I mean, it takes time to learn it. Like I used to say um and ahs a lot until I read a book about that kind of stuff. And then I started consciously recognizing when I was doing that and trying to stop myself from doing it. And, you know, I still do it from time to time, but it's a lot less. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to fill those empty spots with uh and um and stuff like that. So just being conscious of it. And then eventually, like you say, it just kind of becomes naturally a habit that you just do. So it's, it's really important. I, I want to go back to what you talked about earlier with uh, LinkedIn and looking up news articles and stuff like that, because I just thought of another call. And this one didn't turn into a relationship or anything. But before I called him, I went on LinkedIn and found his profile and he had posted something about the Boston Red Sox. So I looked up their schedule and they were playing, going to be playing the Yankees. So one of the first things that we started talking about, I asked him, you know, how are the Boston Red Sox doing? And so we just had a conversation about baseball. You know, he asked me if I like the Red Sox. I'm like, no, not really. But to anybody who can beat the Yankees, I'm always in support of that. And so it had started a really nice conversation and ended up being that he was not the person that could make the final approval. So I had to talk with someone else and it, it never went anywhere. But those are the kind of things that make those conversations just a lot easier. So when's your book coming out? Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe, maybe that, that's perfect, man. That's absolutely perfect. My goodness. It's it's all stuff that's come from me reading books like yours. And I got a lot from your book. It was oh, really wow. helpful. So I appreciate it. Anything else in the book that we need to dive into aside from everybody going out and buying it and, and reading it, which I highly recommend. I mean, to me, the, the overriding themes that we have in the book are communicate well, take responsibility, right? Personal responsibility. So look at what's going on in the world now. We're in the middle of this pandemic and I've spent 10 hours a day in business development on my speaking business. It's arguably the worst time in the world to be a guy who goes to meetings as a speaker. Holy cow. So I can say, well, this is silly. I'm not going to call people about their meetings. I'm not even having meetings. That'd be really insensitive of me to call. Or I can call. I choose to call. I choose to take the action. And I'm doubling down on my effort. When something like this happens, like let's look at what's going on with this COVID-19. You know, it's it's almost like going through the uh, you know the stages of grief. I was doing a um, a virtual motivational talk with a group last week, and I said to them, "It's like going through the stages of grief. 
which are, I think, if I remember right, denial, anger, bargaining, and then finally acceptance. There might be one more in there that I missed. But when I see something like this, this is what people are going through. Ah, man, I can't believe they go through denial first, right? I can't believe this. This is nonsense. I can't impact me. You know, and then starts the uh, the bargaining and then then they get mad about it, right? And they spend a whole bunch of time mad about it. Oh, and then the next thing is depression. Then they get really depressed about it. And then finally they accept it. So my recommendation to anybody that's in business development is let's skip steps one, two, three, and four and get to acceptance yesterday. Just skip the first four because they're not serving you. I jump right into acceptance. And then the way to get through something like this is with enormous action, massive action. I'm going to make five times as many calls during a crisis like this because it's, you know, it's kind of like in 08, when we went through the recession in 08, right? There was just less business to go around. So it doesn't mean that there isn't any business to go around. It means that there's less, which means that in order for you to get your share, you've got to be better than the competitor. Well, how can you be better than the competitor? Well, you've got to put in twice the effort so that you can take business from those folks that are left. This is you know, this is a time for action. It's not a time to sit back and feel badly. So I would say, you know, the overriding themes of the book are about personal responsibility. There are no excuses. It either, you either got it done or you didn't get it done. The marketplace didn't fail you. Amazon didn't fail you. Your clients didn't fail you. Your spouse didn't fail you. None of these things, although you could find rationalizations in all of that, and I'm sure that there are people who can tell me legitimate reasons why something completely impacted them and hurt them very badly. At the end of the day, it may be true, but how is that helping you? To recognize it is not helping you. What you need to do is take personal responsibility for the outcomes that you have. That's the first thing. The second thing is communicate really well. Understand communication. Understand what makes people move, what makes them tick, how to give embedded commands, how to ask great questions, how to be a great listener, how to grunt at the right time in a conversation so that people understand and uh, that you're listening and feel understood. How to make people feel understood. How do you feed back to them their words so that they, they know that you got what they're saying? So I think those are the super important things. And then in the end, the final piece to me is always that desire wins. Desire always wins. If you want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to go around it, over it, or through it. Desire always wins. If you have, you know, read, you know, guys that read uh, Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning, right? It was a book we were required probably in college or high school or whatever. But essential part of his message was, if you have a big enough why, you'll find a way. And it's about creating that huge why. You know, with my coaching clients, we go out five years and I look at where do you want to be in five years? And we create this huge why, this, this structure of where I've got to be in five years. And then we work backwards. But we always keep that thing in mind, that long-term, what we want in the, in the purest sense. And that why will drive you. So, yeah, to me, personal responsibility, communicate well, and desire wins. I agree 100% on everything you said there. Uh, it's what I, I try to live by. You know, taking responsibility for everything, too, it's, it just makes everything, in my opinion, better. Because then you're, you're no longer a victim. Even if something happened to you, but you take responsibility, you put yourself in the wrong position or whatever mm -hmm. put you there, made that happen, you know, 
then you're not a victim anymore and you are taking charge of your own life and, and moving forward. And yeah, that's one of the big things for sure. Yeah. I mean, it allows you a, a way out. If it's somebody else's fault, then you have no power over changing it. Yeah. So you will still be in the same position. I'd rather take the responsibility so that I've got the power to make the change. Otherwise, I'm just sitting in the same spot. Definitely. It's big. Well, Frank, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I think this has been fantastic. Uh, I'm going to put links to your book, B2B is really P2P. Uh, If people are on YouTube, they'll see the link down below. Otherwise, they can click over to the show notes. Where would you like people to go to get in touch with you if they want to talk to you or find out more about what you do? Well, first of all, I'm thinking podcast even though we're doing it on Zoom, you're recording it, and then I'm going to go to you know, Apple or something, listen to it. So here I am in my sweatshirt, and you're talking to me about YouTube. I would have got dressed. That's for, I did shave today, though, but I would have got dressed. So that's, first of all, apologies for, uh, for, the, for the, my, my COVID-19 gear wear here. Um, but my website has everything on, you know, if, if to be a, a speaker at a meeting or my coaching programs or whatever. It's all at franksoma.com, franksoma.com. And, uh, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. If you email me, call me, whatever, I'll respond to everybody. I hope I can help. Okay, perfect. I'll put that link in the show notes as well so people can click over to it and check you out, find out more. Maybe there's people who are listening, maybe want to have you at their next event so they can get a hold of you for that as well. Um, okay. Real quick too, my wife actually just signed up for a virtual event. So I think that's going to become a lot more of a thing as well. So when yeah. one door maybe closes, new opportunities present themselves. Sure. That's the way we have to look at it, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. All right, Frank. I appreciate it. You have a great one. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. It's a pleasure. All right. So there you go. What did I tell you? Another great interview there. Frank had a lot of golden nuggets. You're probably going to want to listen to this episode maybe two or three times to get all of that information. And of course, pick up his book over on Amazon. It's a fantastic read, a really easy read as well. You're going to be able to breeze right through this and pick up a lot of really awesome information. And it's going to help you start selling better, uh, negotiating better, building that rapport. And everything else that we talked about in this episode is just so important that that become like second nature to you. Myself, If you go back to me in high school, I was shy and introverted. I still am, but I made a decision back when I was in college that there was lots of things I wanted to do, whether it was in politics and business and speaking, and I'm just gonna have to get out of my shell. So I started reading and learning as much as possible, putting that stuff into practice, and I was really bad at all this stuff in the beginning, and I just slowly keep getting better, and it becomes comes more and more natural as the more you do it. In the beginning, you're just going to be stumbling through, feeling foolish, but that is completely normal. Just do this stuff and eventually over time, it will become second nature. You just have to maintain or be conscious of what you're doing and it will come to the forefront. You'll think about it more, you'll notice it more. Like for example, when I was talking about getting rid of ahs and ums in my speech, 
it becomes so obvious when you just start thinking about it and you can slowly remove that from your vocabulary. And the same thing is for sales, anything else you wanna do. You can definitely do it, I guarantee it. There is absolutely no reason you can't do any of this stuff. It's just mind over matter and learning and getting to know what you don't know and finding books, YouTube videos and learning that information. So get out there, get your Amazon business going if you haven't already, build it further if you already have one going and shoot me an email or a comment and let me know where you're at in your business. I wanna know and hear more from you guys. Maybe we can even have some of you on the show in future episodes. We can talk to people who are already have their Amazon business going or just getting started. So let me know that as well, if that's something you might be interested in as well. Get the show notes for this and the transcript over at entrepreneuradventure.com forward slash 20. Also, just a reminder that I do one-on-one coaching calls. So if you're interested in that, entrepreneuradventure.com slash coach, and I'll have links as well in the show notes. And then the small group coaching that I've been talking about. We're getting closer to revealing more information about that. It's gonna be high level, so it's gonna be more expensive than not. But if that's something that you might be interested in, in working with me and walking through building your Amazon wholesale business to six figures or maybe even more put you on that path, then head on over to entrepreneuradventure.com forward slash group and get on that wait list and you will be the first to know. Again, I really appreciate everyone out there for listening. I appreciate all of you. Without you, I couldn't make this possible. So thank you again. And without further ado, this is Todd Welch with the Entrepreneur Adventure signing off. Happy selling, everybody. This has been another episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. Thanks for listening, fellow entrepreneur. And always remember, success is yours if you take it.